Today we have a crazy revenge story against a person abusing their power of attorney position. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, the time I was petty during my boss's divorce. So, story time. Around the end of 2017, my boss's wife went through a midlife crisis and decided to have an affair and move out of their house. Divorce proceedings initiated shortly after. In the following March, there was an incident between the two of them that necessitated court intervention and for them to meet some requirements as a result. One of those requirements was her being required to walk around the house and make a list of all the items that were hers. Cue pettiness on her part. Boss's lawyer stated that, In my 20 years of law practice, I've never seen a list this petty. Half of the dish towels, half of the paper plate holders, half of the pots, the curtains in the lounge, etc, etc. You get the idea. She made sure she got half of everything. However, my boss did not allow her to come into the house herself to pack, as she had spent the previous five months stealing out of the house at every opportunity. And he didn't trust her to pack only her belongings, so he made me do it. Small company, nothing else really for me to be doing, so I dutifully started collating her belongings. This is where the pettiness comes in. She requested one saucepan, I shook both, and one had a loose handle. She got that one. She asked for the curtains in the lounge. She didn't ask for the curtain hooks, so I took all of those out. Half of the dish towels? She got all the grotty mismatched ones, not the nice red set. Half of the containers in the storage room? Never specified she wanted the contents, so she got the empty containers. I did this for the entire list, making sure I was as petty as possible when packing up the house. The result, part one, once she took all her stuff, she sent a very long letter via her lawyer stating that what she received was not what was listed in her belongings. We painstakingly went through the entire list, explaining that she received exactly what was written on her list and we couldn't possibly be at fault since she wasn't specific enough. Part 2. Their divorce was finalized at the end of 2019. Occasionally, we'll still get the stray email saying we need to return items to her that weren't provided back in 2018. It makes my petty heart burn bright knowing that she tried to be a bench about taking things, and I turned it back on her and ruined it by being extra petty. I mean, to be fair, if you're going through a divorce and you have to list all the stuff that you want, you probably should be very specific about it. Now, I don't really know if it would be deemed fair enough to say the good half of all of the towels or whatnot, but it certainly would have put her in a better position, right? Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, So you want $30 to exchange my Xmas gift shoes and have a no-return policy? My significant other gifted me for early Christmas a pair of sneakers of a certain brand with a basset hound. She bought them online and the size was way too big. I didn't even try them on. But the store is one block from my home, so no big deal. We went to have them exchanged. The saleswoman looked at my shoes and invoice, checked the computer, and said they didn't have them in my size. But they had the same model in other colors. I said no problem, I'll try them in blue. So she brought them, I put them on, and everything was fine. I told her I'd keep them on and put my old shoes in the box. And that's the end of it, right? Well, not so fast. She said there was a price difference. Because they have this exchange policy where they give you credit for the price you paid, but then charge you for the arbitrary full price of the shoes in the store without any discounts they had. Actually, they did apply any discount you originally had, but only to the difference between the old and new price. Make any sense? So I said, it's the same shoe. You offered me the same model. They cost exactly the same. They have the same discount. 
but now that I'm wearing them and almost out the door, you want to charge me $30 to exchange them? To make things worse, they have a no returns policy. Normally, I'd be freaked. A normal person would probably pay up and get it over with. What are you going to do? Look like a deadbeat cheapskate in front of your significant other and everybody in the store? But I had one last card up my sleeve because we bought them online and in my country, you're entitled by law to return any online purchase in the first five days for no reason, no questions asked. So I told her, this is absurd. I can ask for a refund, get my money back, and purchase them again for the same price. But she insisted that's the way the system worked. I wouldn't budge, so she got a little frustrated and even complained that the online store was her competition. She gestured to me, get your dirty shoes out of the box. I took the shoes off and left and sent an online claim for a refund. Today they replied that I could send the shoes back on the mail or I could return them to one of their stores. So, of course I went back to the same store. The saleswoman didn't seem to remember me. I asked to make the return and she asked why. I shrugged and said, because of law number so and so? She asked if there was a problem with the product or with customer service. She might be worried I'd raise a stink with corporate, but I said, I think it's not a good idea to buy shoes or clothes online. It's better to try them on. So everything went smoothly. She entered my claim. I got my money back and that was it. You might think, is that all? You only got even. At most, you escaped from an expensive anti-consumer trap. But you see, when they processed my return, they paid for my shipping back. That means they lost $4.57. So I win. I came out on top. Just for today, the mighty puppy loses. My significant other liked the shoes, so my last question was, should I now come back with the money and buy them again to give closure to the Kafkaian process? Well, I checked the online store, and it seems that today, by complete coincidence, they have raised the price of the shoes to $150. They hadn't when I first went. I checked. It seems that my petty victory came at a cost. The dog said, So you returned your shoes? Now you can't have them. We'll see about that. Nobody's buying that cheap crap for $150. I'm patient. I can wait. Then, when I finally get my feet into those otherwise unremarkable sneakers, every time I wear them, I'll remember the day I not only escaped the bite of the hound, but I cost it of all of five bucks. Then my revenge will be complete. Honestly, I think your revenge, on sale or not, would be to not give them the money right back. I mean, surely, they probably don't make these shoes for more than five to ten dollars manufacturing cost anyways. OP turning around and giving them the money back even at a discounted rate, even when they cost them $5, would probably still be a net gain for that company. Our next story is Big Truck, Bad Parking. I was running errands in the morning and arrived at the Costco 15 minutes before they opened. People were already lined up at the door, but there was plenty of parking. Some guy... Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? then it's time to make your move to the UK. The nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. 
LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. And compensatingly large pickup parked next to me and bumped my vehicle as they turned into the space. It was enough to jostle me, but didn't end up causing any damage. I rolled down my window and yelled, Oi, despite being American, as he rushed to the entrance to wait in line. I wasn't going to chase this guy down, so I contemplated just standing by his truck until he came back out so I could calmly insult him. I'm guessing you're not accustomed to handling large equipment. It was raining and I didn't feel like getting soaked for who knows how long. I searched my vehicle for a piece of paper to write a passive-aggressive note. When I found a blank page, I wrote, You, sir, are a butt. I placed it under his driver's side wiper. I went inside and made my purchases. As I was backing out, I noticed this guy was loading up his purchases. I wanted to stick around to see his reaction, but it would be suspicious if I pulled back into my spot, so I elected to drive around the lot. He was putting his seatbelt on when he noticed my note. As it had been raining this whole time, the paper didn't come off easily. I'm not sure how well the ink managed the water, but the annoyed look on his face when he looked around for suspects was enough to sustain me. I definitely wouldn't classify this as the most severe or crazy revenge story I've ever read, but I feel like a lot of people would be in a similar situation and want to do the exact same thing. I've heard of people that like to carry around coloring books so they can rip out a page, write a note on it and leave it under the wiper that says, here's some practice for trying to stay inside the lines. This next story is the time I was really petty. This happened some 15 years back. Money was tight and meant a lot. My partner and I ordered a custom-made grill for our house, and the vendor said he'll deliver in a week. We paid 50% in advance. We checked after a week, and he said that we needed another day or two. Checked after a couple of days, same answer. So I visited his shop, and he hadn't yet started on our project. He was very nonchalant about it and said it'll come when it's ready. I asked for my money back, and he said he had bought the materials, so he cannot give the money back. We went to police, and the police just called him in front of us. He promised he'll deliver it in two days. A couple of days later, he comes home to install it and he does an okay job. He leaves after installing and comes back in an hour since he'd forgotten his mobile phone. Nothing fancy, a black and white Nokia. I came to the door and told him that I cannot let him in and he needs to come back in a week to get it. He got mad and started yelling and that's when I shut the door in his face. He never came back to get it. Well, what's he gonna do, call the cops? He can't. I'm just imagining they go over to a neighbor's house to say, hey, can I borrow your phone to call the cops? Because your neighbor stole my phone. Our next story is missing car petty revenge. My brother and I used to fight like cats and dogs as teenagers. We used to share a car and one night he took it to see a movie with his friends. My cousin and I decided to see a movie too. Same theater, different movie. And in the parking lot, I saw our car. We decided to play a prank on him since he was being a brat that week. I had the spare key on me so we moved the car to the other side of the parking lot. 
It was a huge strip mall, so I parked on the other side of the building completely out of sight. The car reeked of weed. I knew he went to see a horror movie so he would be freaking out when he couldn't find his car. The next morning, my brother was regaling us with the mysterious missing car story, how they couldn't find it for hours and how they must have forgotten where it was parked. Idiot stoner. I laughed so hard and admitted it was me, and even though my parents punished me, they did so through fits of laughter. We still joke about it today. I would definitely be freaking out. I would be thinking for sure somebody stole my car. Honestly, I might even be slightly impressed too because there would be like no evidence of it. They must have managed to jimmy the door open or pick the lock without even like breaking the window or anything. Unless, of course, I'm driving a Kia. Our next story is, I blew up my brother's phone. In high school, circa 2006, my brother thought it would be funny to deflate the tires on my car before I took this girl out on a date and to smear our dog's crap on the passenger side window. So, for revenge, I made a Craigslist ad in Detroit about a 65-inch Samsung flat-screen TV brand new for $100. I used his phone number and said prefer to be called between 10pm and 6am. He got about a hundred calls and texts every hour, all night long, and his voicemail was full of angry Detroit citizens demanding the TV. It got so bad after two days that he had to change his phone number. I never told him it was me. I love that OP tried to clarify, call between 10pm and 6am, as if in 2006 a 65 inch flat screen TV for $100 would not just cause anybody to call literally the second they saw it regardless of what time it was. I guess it's just to give the green light to call at all hours instead of just when you see it. Our next story is, someone cut in front of me at a restaurant, I made sure he wasted his time. For some reason, I've been getting quite a few people feeling entitled and just come and cut in line. Now, normally I don't say anything, but I've learned to speak up whenever this happens. Usually they leave, however, this particular time I thought it was best to stay quiet. He cut in front and just acted as if me and my wife weren't even there. He was on his phone so I could see that he already placed an order and just needed to pick it up. Now, whether he's just not that very bright or was obsessed with looking into his phone to avoid interaction with me, I will never know. But he was in the wrong lineup as there's a separate line for pickups, which was empty by the way. He could have gone directly there and been out the door in 30 seconds. Instead, he waited 15 minutes in line and when he was about two people behind the counter, I guess he opened his eyes long enough to realize there's a separate line for pickup only. He then proceeds to leave and go to the counter to pick up his food. Thankfully though, the employee who was at that counter just left and he actually waited longer than me. Sometimes staying quiet is the best move. Honestly, bless any company or chain or whatnot that has this side pickup line. I can't tell you the frustration when I order something online, arrive when it's ready to just grab and go, and there's only one line and there's like four or five people standing in front of you. I don't want to be a jerk and just try to walk past all of these people right up to the front counter to try to hijack the person that's making their order. But also a lot of the convenience of ordering online is gone when you have to wait 10 to 15 minutes for everybody else to order. And depending on the chain, they'll just wait right there for their order until it's ready. Our next story is payback on cheating high school ex-girlfriend who broke my heart. In high school, I was a senior and she was a junior, tops of our classes. You know, standard good kids and I was like Wally Cleaver. Her family was very religious, think of the Flanderses. While her folks were weary of her dating, they loved and trusted me and invited me over to their house frequently. It should be noted that all during the time we dated, we never hooked up. 
Her folks had the talk with both of us and were concerned that their baby girl would end up preggers, but I loved her enough to respect her folks' wishes and never made her uncomfortable. Had it played out right, I could have seen us being married. Fast forward to after my graduation, after a few months, we still lived in the same town and she was to start in my college in the fall, she up and dumps me. Later, I heard that she'd been cheating on me and he was going to take her to her senior prom, even though we planned to do so. She told her folks I dumped her after finding someone else. Several months later, I spot her and her mom shopping in the local grocery store. They don't see me, I had a hat and grew a nice beard and kept a safe distance. And I didn't want to get in a conversation with the mom who obviously had been told I'd done her daughter wrong, so I waited until they left their cart unattended and placed a box of condoms and lube in their buggy and covered them. When they got to the checkout and her mom started taking items out of the cart, she found them and promptly flipped out. It was like watching the mom and Carrie. All the while, the ex was, but those aren't mine. And the mom was, how long have you been having sex? Who was it with? And the shoppers around them laughing as hard as I was. Bonus, I went through my checkout fast and got to my car to watch the show continue. The mom was still fussing on the way out to the car, and as they drove off, I could still see her wagging finger. I just love the idea that somehow she tried to think that she could get by by sneaking it under all the other groceries. Like as if it should be believed as an actual strategy to try to get groceries by sneaking it under everything else. Like you're not going to see it when you put it on the cart at the very end. As a kid, I was great at sneaking things into my parents' cart, but that tended to be like a soda or a candy bar or something. And without fail, there was a small really or a confrontation at the very end when obviously they noticed it was in the cart. Our next story is the tables have turned. Years ago, there was this guy I sometimes used to hang out with. I really liked him and would do anything for him. Unfortunately, the efforts weren't reciprocated. It was difficult to get a hold of him as he would leave me on red and wouldn't answer my calls. Then after a few days, he would reply back that he was very busy and tired because of work and proceeded to start a conversation with me, as when I replied, he would just leave me on red again. It was truly infuriating, but what could I do? I really liked him and was acting like a fool. The last drop was when one day, he invited me to go to the movies. I got ready and waited for him to pick me up at the appointed time. The time came and he wasn't showing up. I waited and waited. I called him and he didn't answer. I texted him and he didn't see my message. A couple hours later, he sends me a message apologizing that he was so tired and didn't feel like going out. At this point, I was so done with him. I told him he could at least tell me he wasn't willing to go out and I wouldn't be waiting for him like a clown. Nowadays, the same guy chases me relentlessly. I'm no longer interested in him. He keeps double texting me saying how much he regrets for not giving me the value and love I deserved back then, that he realized I'm a wonderful woman who did so much for him and that he would be willing to do anything for me, that he will always be there whenever I need something. I leave him on red. He keeps calling me and I don't answer his calls. This feels good because now I hope you understand how I felt back then when I used to be ignored by him too. Honestly, and I don't mean this to slight OP in any way, but I feel like this is a situation where maybe this guy exhausted all of his options, and OP's the last option he feels is realistic left and he's being desperate. Either that or he's one of those guys where 
When you give him your undivided attention and you're always trying to be there with him or for him or around him, you'll take it for granted or not value it as much. But now that you're ignoring him and moving on, it's like a weird reverse psychology thing where they're like, no, come back, give me that attention. I need it to fuel me. I'm sorry I did so wrong to you. Our next story is, gas guzzler parked terrible, so I parked my small car next to them on purpose. When I went to Trader Joe's, it was a busy day and parking was scarce. I have a smaller car, so I'm lucky enough to fit in most spaces. I found a spot that was available because the car on the right parked over the line with their giant gas guzzler. To the right of the boomer's car was the cart return, which is perfectly aligned, so there was no justification for the crappy parking. I parked my little car in between the lines like a normal person. As I was in the checkout line, I saw the boomer woman had to climb into her car from the passenger side because of her crappy park job. I leave the store and put my bags away, ignoring her stares. When I got into the driver's seat, I look over and see that she's flipping me off and calling me a jerk from her rolled up windows. I laughed in her face and rolled down my windows to scream that she should get her eyes checked. It delighted me very much and still does. Bloomers love to freak around but hate to find out. In my opinion, if you park that badly that you have to climb in through the trunk or something, that is completely on you. Listen, I'm not the best with parking, I'll be the first to admit it. But I'm not too ashamed that if I screw up or I'm really close to the line or if I'm over the line, you bet I have enough shame to actually put it in reverse and recenter the vehicle so I'm not being such a jerk. This next story is Operation Let It Go. My dad just shared a story about my late uncle Dale his lifelong friend and fellow engineer. So in his memory and in spirit of the upcoming holidays, I present for you the tale of nepotism, engineering students, and Dina Menzel. Uncle Dale was a senior engineer at a small firm in the Midwestern USA and engineering instructor at the local community college. He was also unofficially in charge of the office parties. To help offset the costs, he had a small tin box on a table outside of his office with a slot in it so anyone could donate money to the party fund. Everyone knew about it and were happy to donate. A month or so before the company's big Christmas party, Uncle Dale decided to check the box. Lo and behold, it was empty. Uncle Dale knew something was wrong because he had seen several colleagues putting money in the box. This could only mean one thing, someone was stealing from the party fund. At this moment, Brad, the owner's nephew and a fellow engineer, came around the corner, and something about the way Brad was looking at him made Uncle Dale suspicious. Brad didn't have a good reputation around the office, to say the least. He had a reputation of being pushy, obnoxious, rude, and just plain entitled. Unfortunately, he was not only the owner's beloved nephew, but knew how to skirt the rules so he wouldn't get fired. Uncle Dale decided to set a trap to catch the thief. Using his engineering skills, he set up a hidden rig using a hidden doorbell camera right by the box. He then had a colleague loudly brag about how he contributed $100 to the party fund. Then he waited. He got a notification that the camera was recording and watched Brad open the empty box, scowl in disgust and throw the box against the wall. Now, you would think this would end with Uncle Dale presenting the video evidence to his boss and getting Brad fired, but oh no. As I mentioned in a previous post, if there's one thing engineers love, it's solving problems. And if it's engineering students, they'll make it an experience to remember. Uncle Dale then went to his engineering students. He offered them extra credit to come up with a rigged box that would make noise when opened. The more obnoxious the sound, the higher the bonus. One week later, they delivered their project and demonstrated how it worked. 
Pleased with the results, Uncle Dale awarded them the extra credit as promised. The next day, he set up the rigged box and proclaimed, Well, isn't this nice? Someone donated $50 to the party fund. Then he went to his office and waited. The engineering students had rigged the box with one of those inserts from cards that play music when you open them. By popular vote, they had picked Let It Go from the Disney movie Frozen. Right around the time when the song was beginning to become popular, they also managed to ensure that once opened, the box couldn't close unless you pressed a hidden side button releasing the hinge, so the song would continue to play. For extra funsies, they made sure to angle the insert for maximum volume and secured it down with industrial strength glue. Sure enough, everyone in the office heard Adina Menzel belting the hated song in Brad's frustrated grunts while trying to close the box. One of those attracted by the sound was Brad's uncle. Finally, Brad chucked the box at the wall, managing to put a good-sized dent in it. The uncle then summoned Brad to his office. Fifteen minutes later, Brad left with a cardboard box and cleared out his desk, along with a note in his file, Do not rehire, do not recommend. So his engineering career was over. That Christmas, Uncle Dale had a little video prepared to show at the party. The doorbell camera had caught Brad's attempt to steal from the box, all to the tune of Let It Go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm so glad that you could make it to the Christmas party. I have a video presentation for you. Please welcome the lovely Adele Dazeem. This next story is Heck Hath No Fury Like Me Scorned, Part 2, Felony Boogaloo. Hello r slash pro revenge. A couple of years ago, I posted a revenge story involving my stepmother's shanty wife, my stepbrother Shorty, and my dad who's now resting in a purple urn. Well, I finally have an update. To recap, Shorty, my stepbrother, was my dad's power of attorney while he was sick and had heinously abused his position, stealing a very large sum of money. When I got involved, I got a restraining order against Shorty, filed charges, took over my dad's care, and exacted some sweet revenge in the process. I was warned by the court's victim's advocate, who is my first cousin because that's how it is in that town, that bringing Shorty to trial for what he did would take a very long time. She was correct. In the meantime, I monitored Shorty's online activities. When he moved out of state, I called the court and let them know just in case it violated his bail. When he got a job as a truck driver, I called the court to let them know he was repeatedly leaving his home state just in case it violated his bail. Then, six months ago, I got a call from the same victim's advocate. The trial was going to be set soon, and the court wanted input from the family regarding possible plea deals and sentencing. He was indicted on felony elder abuse and was facing 15 years in prison. The advocate let me know that the family could request prison time or plea him down to work release with restitution. The upside to prison was obvious, but the downside would be that we would likely not receive restitution since he'd be perpetually poor and in prison. With work release, we would receive restitution, but he would have his freedom. Somewhat. She wanted to know which we preferred. I asked for the night to think it over. Shorty's future rested in my hands and I wanted to savor it. What kind of god did I want to be? To decide, I needed to do some math. If he went to prison for 15 years, he would be out in half or less. Seven years is a long time, but restitution would surely take as long if not longer and I would get the pleasure of taking his money every month for years and years and years. I liked the thought of him working every day toiling away in crap conditions for crap pay and him knowing that a portion of that crap day would be for nothing. 
I loved the thought that I would be the reason for it. So I called her back and told her we would be okay with a plea deal to felony supervised release and restitution. I didn't hear anything further until last week when the advocate called me again to let me know he'd accepted a deal. The deal, he'd pled guilty to felony elder exploitation, first degree. He received 15 years, split and suspended, which means he won't serve any jail time. Two years will be on felony work supervision, where he'll have to call into his parole officer every day and be drug tested almost as frequently. After that, he'll be on regular probation for up to five years. The judge will schedule check-ins with him to ensure he's paying restitution and meeting the requirements of his work release and parole. The restitution, he has to pay back $130,539.39. He was ordered to pay $300 a month beginning January 1st, 2024. My math gamble paid off. It will take him 36 years to pay that back at $300 a month. If he misses a payment, he will go to jail. I will be in his life for decades, taking back from him bit by bit what he stole. So I think that's going to be it. I've done everything I can do, apart from being there to catch him if he violates the terms of his release. Thank you for reading this tangled web of revenge. I hope it warms your heart for the holidays. The only frustrating part of this is $300 I feel is a makeable sum of money. Like it sucks, the average person would never want to have to give up $300 per month for the next 36 years of their life. But ultimately, I imagine somebody like him could get in a position where it wouldn't be too hard to budget around that. You know, as long as they can keep a stable job for the next 36 years. Also, depending on how nice the courts are to him, he'll probably have to pay for the seven years of probation too. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.